Welcome back to Spanning the State. I am Kristen Bry here with Dan Schaefer. What do these new maps actually mean for you, the voter? Here to talk about it is John Johnson, research fellow at the Lubar Center for Public Policy. John, you do you think anyone spent more time looking at these maps than you? In well, this state, well, some people have certainly been getting paid more to spend time looking at them. So <laughs> That's actually I hope a great have. question. Were you? Have. Did you see when that article came out that said how much the experts that the state supreme court had hired were making around four hundred and fifty dollars an hour? Were you like, what am I doing? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, the thought crossed my mind, but uh, it's been it's been a fun couple months. But. So big news: we got new maps. There's, I think, there's still some ifs and hopefullys. It sounds like as far as there not being an additional legal ramification but let's talk in terms that this is done this is happening these are the maps that will be in place for our legislative elections this fall what does that mean for most people where are the biggest changes going to happen from what you can tell with the new maps versus the maps that we had in place from 2022 there are a lot of changes in terms of the boundaries of the districts Uh, You know, if you're a listener who does not live in the city of Milwaukee within city limits, there's pretty good odds that you'll have some different names on your ballot, that you might live in a different district number than the last election cycle. So make sure you take a look in August during the primary to see if you have something interesting to vote for. Often you may not have in the past, but that that'll be different for a lot of voters now. That's different than saying where the competitive seats are. You know, that's a smaller number. So it's a, so when we say competitive seats, there's correct me if I'm wrong. There's 45 and that lean Democratic that the assumption is a Democrat will win in those seats for the assembly. 46 that are staying leaning Republican and eight that are competitive. You know, you can you can come up with slightly different numbers depending okay. on the baseline that you use. If you imagine a really good year for Republicans, then you know more seats are on the table. A really good year for Democrats, but that's basically right. Yeah. What? Yep. Sorry. One of the things that I wrote was that last in in the 2022 midterm elections in the 99 seat state assembly, there were only eight races decided by a less than 10 percent margin. Uh, You know, on the the new map that projects to increase significantly, uh, you know, perhaps even into the, you know, more than 20 races uh, that could be competitive. So I think that is going to be a really interesting piece of this more competition you know less uh obvious polarization you know they dug in red and blue camps in wisconsin you're gonna have to be competing for for some voters that maybe uh you hadn't been paying attention to in a long time where are those eight districts so there are two districts that i think are going to be pretty competitive in the milwaukee area 21st district which is down in kind of oak creek and some of the surrounding areas there uh it got drawn to lean more to the Democrats than it did in the past. It's currently represented by a Republican, Jesse Rodriguez. Then there's a district that's down in Greenfield and Greendale. This was, I believe, the 84th under the old map, but I think it's the 61st is, is that number now, but it's much the same area. Be fascinated to see what happens in that district. There's two real competitive districts in the Green Bay area, the 88th and the 89th. Those could go either way. I think they'll be pretty fiercely contested by both parties. You could say the same thing for the Wausau district, which becomes more competitive. And this uh, new district out by Hudson, close to the Twin Cities, that'll be pretty competitive between both parties. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I think it offers an interesting look. You know, those those places that you listed offers an interesting look at 
how Wisconsin's political geography is, because I think a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, all of the Democratic voters are clustered into Madison and Milwaukee. Well, such is not really the case. If you really look across the state, you look at, you know, Eau Claire, La Crosse, Oshkosh, Green Bay, Wausau, uh, these different places that you mentioned where there are, you know, closer to 50-50 splits uh, politically. So I think that is going to be an interesting uh, opportunity for people to compete for votes in those districts. Stevens Point, Sheboygan, Duluth. Yeah. yeah, the 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 list goes on. A lot of those mid-sized cities. It's mm-hmm. you know, there's the urban rural divide, but then there's a lot of these mid-sized cities that are caught in the middle. And I know the first round when there was a, initial changes to Governor Evers' maps, which were what he ended up signing, but the first time when he vetoed them, it was because he, these these aren't my maps and because there were certain changes that they were trying to protect incumbents. How many incumbents have now been drawn into the same district or do you if you don't know the number off the top of your head i know as of yesterday because dan uh state senator dan canodal and dewey strobel have been now in the are in the same district so i think dan canodal said that he's not going to run for re-election so i didn't know if you had an idea of how uh, many other races that's going to affect i believe the numbers are around 19 perhaps oh wow um yeah there's there's quite a few I might have that number wrong. So the, the backstory here you might find kind of interesting. All the parties to the case created an updated file with the current addresses for all the legislators as of the beginning of this year. And then they redacted it from the public record. Uh, so you'll see uh, the lawyers from those cases, you know, th- throwing numbers around, which I assume they're correct about the number of incumbents that are paired. But I'm not able to uh, to do that calculation myself because they haven't shared that file. So the idealist in me wants to think... We say these these districts that lean left, lean right, lean Republican, lean Democrat. But you want to believe that it comes down to the candidate. It comes down to running a good campaign. It runs down, runs on incumbents running on their record. And that's how this is supposed to work as far as the best person who makes the best case gets the most votes. Is that possible in these maps or is it really kind of hardwired when we say these 45 lean this way, these 46 lean this way and the same thing in the Senate? You know, this is that that comes down to something that isn't just about redistricting. It's, uh, it speaks to our politics more broadly now and in the U.S. Congress as well. Uh, so many people just know which party they're going to vote for ahead of time that a lot of places, let alone districts, a lot of just communities, it's a foregone conclusion who uh, those people are going to vote for. Um, and so, yeah, the, this map has not as many competitive seats as you might hope in large part, just because there aren't that many parts of Wisconsin that are competitive between the two parties. But the competitive seats that do exist in this map will determine which party wins a majority of the assembly in November. And that's different than the past decade. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, with this new map, uh, Will the assembly be in play for for both part for either party to win a majority? Yes, yeah. Uh, maybe the easiest way to explain it is Tony Evers won a majority of the seats in this map, and Ron Johnson won a majority of the seats in this map during those two candidates' respective twenty twenty two reelection bids. So there will be a number of those. You know, I, I think you mentioned that that Senate district too that has was that Senate district eight. Uh, you know, that was a district that was won by Tony Evers and won by Ron Johnson. We have, you know, this is this is the nature of Wisconsin, the nature of a purple state. And that has I think what's what's important to note about that is that hasn't been the case 
for more than a decade. You know, Republicans have held 60 or more seats in the state assembly every year since they installed this gerrymander uh, in 2011. And so this is going to bring about a brand new landscape. And, and I think part of the calculation that, you know, at least what Republicans were saying, quoted in the media over the last week, was saying that they wanted to have some level of certainty uh, going into the year and, you know, some level of understanding of where people are going to be, how they can re- recruit candidates for districts that they may be, may not have been before. And so, look, I think anybody has the opportunity to run for office. You know, if you're out there and thinking about it, now's the time, right? That's right. And in fact, there was a filing just yesterday by the lawyers for the legislative Republicans to the Supreme Court requesting that they uh, settle this issue of which districts might be used for special elections and things like that, because uh, it seems like the attitude that I've seen from members of both parties is we want to move forward and contest this election in November, because from what I've seen, both sides are expressing a lot of confidence that they think they can win. Last question. I know you're not a lawyer, but how confident are we that these will be the maps and that there's not additional lawsuits pending? They're the law of the land right now, which means that they're in a position of strength going forward. And the fact that they were passed by the legislature and signed by the governor means that they're much more robust to any future changes in the composition of the state judiciary. Got it. All right. He is John Johnson, research fellow for the Lubar Center for Public Policy. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure.